Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. and would turn with me into the word of the Lord tonight to the book of Exodus chapter number 15 and we're going to look at several verses chapter 16, chapter 19 and chapter 20 Exodus chapter number 15, and let's look at verse 22. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water, and when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter, therefore the name of it was called Marah. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree which, when he had cast it into the water, the waters were made sweet, and there he made for them a statue and an ordinance, and there he proved them. Everybody say, there he proved them. There he proved them. And then in chapter 16, verses 3 through 5, And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God, he, would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots, and when we did eat bread to the fool. For ye have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. And it shall come to pass that on the sixth day they shall prepare that which they bring in and shall be it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. Chapter 19, 19 and verse 20. And the Lord came down unto Mount Sinai on the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses up to the top of the mount. And Moses went up, and the Lord said unto Moses, Go down and charge the people, lest they break through unto the Lord to gaze, and many of them perish. And let the priests also which come near to the Lord sanctify themselves, lest the Lord break forth upon them. And Moses said unto the Lord, The people cannot come up to, the, to Mount Sinai, for thou chargest us, saying, Set the bounds about the mountain, and sanctify it. 
And the Lord said unto him, Away, get thee down, that thou shalt come up, thou and Aaron with thee, but let but let not the priest and the people break through to come up unto the Lord, lest he break forth upon them. So Moses went down unto the people and spake unto them. Chapter 20 and verse 20 says, And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for God is come to prove you that his fear may be before your faces that ye sin not. Notice there's a re resurfacing word there that I want to kind of capitalize on here tonight, the Lord proving them. And let's look at uh, Galatians chapter number 6. Galatians chapter number 6. We'll begin reading in verse 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But notice this, but let every man prove his own work. And then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. And uh, I simply want to uh, speak from this subject tonight, teach, preach, whatever the Lord would allow. I want to talk about proven, proven. Amen. We... Uh, every one of us, when we come to God, before we can reach the things that God wants us to reach in His kingdom and be all that He wants us to be in our Holy Ghost potential, if you want to say it that way, we first must be proven that God can trust us with His blessings and that God can work in our lives and and dole out his anointing or whatever it is that he wants to do, whatever his plan is, for that plan to continue to progress, there has to be a proving process that takes place. Proven. Amen. Why don't you lift up your hands to the Lord right now and let's pray together that the Lord would help us. Jesus, we need you. We need your strength. We need your anointing. We need the power of the Holy Ghost working in our lives here tonight. I pray that you would speak through me to your people. God, let me be used as an oracle, a tool in your hands, God, for your glory. We pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. And would you give thanks to the Lord again? Come on, let's give thanks to the Lord again. Hallelujah. God, you're so wonderful. You're so holy. You're so righteous, God. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing, and you may be seated. I think it's very clear to us when we read through the pages of the book of Exodus that God unmistakably proved himself to his people through the miracles that he performed for the nation of Israel, who was not really a nation just yet, but was being formed and things were coming together 
for them as God's people to become the nation of Israel. And it's through this process that many things are established, uh, laws and ordinances and commands that God would want them to be governed by and to live by as His people. But God, in bringing them up out of Egypt, which is, of course, to us a type of sin, a type of the world, and us coming out of sin is a type of the Old Testament people of God coming up out of Egypt. And he said, I want to bring you out so that I can bring you into some things. And God still works that way. He brings people out of sin, out of bondage, out of slavery and servitude to sin. And he brings them into his promise. First of all, he brings them into the promise of this new birth, the Holy Ghost. How many is thankful that you've been born of water and of spirit? Praise God. And you're not born again unless you have both. Amen. You've got to be born again. And before you can have uh, a real washing away and remission of your sins, you first got to repent of your sins. Amen. And uh, that's something that... Uh, I'm seeing very little of nowadays when people talk about the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. There's no prelude of that with the need for repentance. But I'm going to tell you something. Repentance is needed if you're going to have a real experience in the Holy Ghost. I'm talking about a lasting experience in the Holy Ghost. Praise God. And it's uh, of interest to me to see people not only come to God, but I want to see them continue in God. And I realize the only way that can happen is you've got to die out to sin. You've got to die out to the world. And so uh, when he brings you out, and uh, then he has a desire to bring you in. And ultimately we know that he wants to bring us into everlasting life with him. He wants to bring us into eternal life in heaven. And I'm thankful for the promise that we are not of this world, but we're just passing through this world, and that we get to go to be with Jesus forever, the one we're worshiping tonight. We get to see Him face to face and live eternally with Him in heaven. But I believe all along the way, He's still bringing us in. He's still working in our lives. There's still things that He desires to fulfill in all of our lives. And I, I'm thankful that we can keep growing in God, we can keep reaching in God, and we can keep becoming in God until the day of His appearing. How many believes that's possible? That there's not a place that you, you get where you say, okay, I've reached a plateau and this is good enough, but you just keep on going in God. That is the will of God for our lives. But He brought them out, the Scripture says, with a high hand. He brought them out, and the analogy is used on the wings of of eagles, and God proved himself to his people over and over again that they could trust him. He proved that he was a prayer answer because for many years and, and even generations now, it had been prayed. Uh, they were 400 years, uh, over 400 years in Egypt, and uh, they had a promise that God was going to bring them in and establish them in the promised land and they were going to be their own people, a nation. And so they were living on the promise that God had given to Abraham and had been passed on 
generationally, and they were praying that God would fulfill that promise. And then, of course, the pressure that came to bear upon them through uh, the slavery and the bondage of being in Egypt. The Bible said that there arose a Pharaoh that knew not Joseph, didn't have any regard for the patriarchs, didn't have any respect for God's people, and he began to uh, bring the pressure down upon them because he feared them that they were multiplying and being blessed. Even in bondage, even in slavery, God had his hand on them and they were multiplying so rapidly that fear struck Pharaoh's heart that they may rise up and overthrow us. And so we're going to have to deal with them. And he began to make their work and their servitude uh, rigorous, the Scripture says. And they uh, were making bricks for uh, the Egyptians. And they took the straw away. And then you know the story of how that he commanded the firstborn be slain and killed, but before it was all over with, God proved that he's a prayer answer. When those people began to cry out to God and they got desperate, that he heard their cry and remembered his promise, and he began to fulfill that promise and bring them out. He not only proved that he was a prayer answer, but he, pray, he proved that he was a deliverer of his people from bondage. And he also proved that he was a promise keeper. He proved that he was a miracle worker. I mean, every one of those plagues, if you think of it, that was a miracle. That was a phenomenon that took place that could have only taken place through the power of God. It was a miracle. It was to get uh, not only the Egyptians' attention and Pharaoh's attention, but it was also to show God's people, I'm working for you. Amen. And I'm going to take care of you. And I'm going to answer your prayers. And I, I, I'm going to work in the needs of your life. And so uh, he proved that to them. And then he proved that he could provide for them in the wilderness. And it was through that process, being in the wilderness, that he proved that he was a provider. He also proved that he was a protector. In a wilderness, I mean, you think about it, all the wild beasts and all of the marauders and the bandits and the people uh, that, that were out there that would look for opportunity to take advantage of people and all the, all the places that they had to pass through and the wilderness. But he proved that he was a protector, not only from that, but from the harsh elements that they were in. He, he prepared a cloud above them to shield them from the sun and then a pillar of fire by night that uh, would also serve as a heat as well as a guide and and all of these things were given to them by God. Amen. And he proved to them that he was interested in working in their lives. But as you transition towards the promised land, as you transition on into this story, you'll also see that God, as he's bringing his people into the things that he has promised, he wants to know before he promotes them, can I trust you? And so before promotion comes a proving time. He wants to prove the depth of their commitment. He wants to prove uh, uh, the strength of their convictions and how much faith they really do have in God. He wanted to prove them. And so we see three instances here that I read to you from in these various chapters of the book of Exodus 
and it starts in chapter 14 and 15. They came out of Egypt, and they went three days on their journey. And now you've got to keep in mind that this was a wilderness. You've got to keep in mind that this uh, was a desert environment that they were in. Uh, so it was a very harsh climate. Three days they traveled without any water. And so they began to uh, become very concerned. And the scripture tells us that when they finally happened upon a place where they saw that there was water, they tasted of the water and found that it was bitter, that it was not to serve as refreshment for them. They could not drink of it. Uh, because it was bitter waters that they were drinking out of. And I, I don't know exactly what all constituted bitter waters. I, I know uh, those of you that have ever been to Odessa Midland, you know when the water comes out of the spigot, it comes out looking like milk. I mean, it's that white, and uh, it's not very appetizing. And uh, matter of fact, you're, you're thankful for that, what is it, process that they put it through reverse osmosis uh, to, to purify the water. But most people there, unless they just uh, uh, have gotten used to it, most people there uh, drink bottled water. I know people that pass through probably drink bottled water because they probably never seen anything quite like that. But it, it just are used to it. It used to look just like uh, years ago. It used to look just like milk coming out of the faucet. Because uh, that was the, that's just the water and uh, the situation there. Some of you have probably had an occasion to uh, drink sulfur water. Have you ever drinking water that, or drank water that had sulfur in it? Uh, I'm sure many of you have. They used to think that there was, and possibly still do, that there's minerals in that sulfur water that uh, is not contained in other waters. I remember there was some wells that were... Uh, sulfur wells in an area and uh, I think there was five or six different wells and and uh, I don't know the old timers went down there and they discovered that perhaps they felt a little bit better and and and, and physically they were helped by that and so the, I think it was more or less rumors that got passed on and uh, wise fables or whatever that got passed on from generation to generation but this well it's supposed to be good for these organs and this one's supposed to be good for the skin and this one here is supposed to be good if you got this problem or that problem and and uh, I, I don't know about all of that but I don't enjoy sulfur water and I don't suppose anybody just enjoys slurping from sulfur water I, I guess if you're thirsty enough you drink enough to get by but these were bitter waters. I don't know exactly what constituted them being bitter waters, but it appears that they were so bitter that they at that point could not be partaken of and they could not serve uh, as refreshment for the people of God. And so right here at the very beginning, we see that God is proving them. God is watching their reaction to this. He is proving them. Because uh, this was a bitter experience. The, they called the place Mara or bitter. You may remember Naomi coming back, uh, uh, coming back to uh, Bethlehem, Judah. And somebody said, is that Naomi? That looks like Naomi coming. Been many years since I have seen her, but that appears to be her. And 
she looked and, uh, and replied to them, said, call me not Naomi, but call me Myra, or call me bitter. So uh, this is where we understand that comes from, bitter, bitter experience. And so uh, God is watching their reaction to things they cannot control, to unexpected bitter experiences in life. There is times when, when life deals us things that we would like to, we'd like to uh, be able to, 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 to opt out of. We, we'd like to spit it out, if I could say it that way. Uh, we'd like, we, 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 we realize that when we need refreshment and we need help and we need strength and then a disappointment comes or an unexpected uh, situation arises in our life, a bitter experience uh, comes to our life. God is watching our reaction just like he was the people of God. When they came upon this place, you had faith to believe me that I could bring you out of Egypt. You had faith to believe me that I had my hand upon you and I protected you to this point. I've answered all of your prayers. I've not allowed you... Uh, at any point to perish. Uh, I've not allowed you to succumb to any one of those plagues. Matter of fact, there was darkness that overshadowed all of Egypt beside the land of Goshen where the people of God were. God made it bright as a noonday sun right there where his people were. I'm going to tell you, when you serve God, God will take care of you. It doesn't matter what's happening in the world, what's taking place in the world. God will bless his people. Hallelujah. I know there's a lot of concern right now, and it seems like it's getting more heightened with each day that passes about uh, North Korea, and, and it is concerning when somebody uh, that is that crazy has uh, those powerful weapons that he has and uh, the threat that it might pose upon, if not main uh, mainstream America or mainland America, uh, certainly our allies or, or maybe places uh, uh, like Hawaii or Guam or places like this that may be a little closer to them that they could attack, and there's a lot of concern about that. But I'm going to tell you, we don't live in fear as the people of God. We live in faith and in trust that God is in control. I don't have to flip on the news, uh, and listen, and, and think, my God, what's, what's, what's going to happen now? God's backed in a corner. God isn't backed in a corner. Nothing catches him by surprise. Hallelujah. I don't have to wake up and read the newspaper and say, oh, man, I got a lot to be concerned about today. God's in trouble. God's under a lot of pressure. Oh, no, God's not under any pressure. God knows exactly what he's doing. Matter of fact, he, he's behind the scenes orchestrating all of this. Amen. I said he's orchestrating all of this. Don't you understand? There has to be a point when Jesus splits those eastern skies and comes back to catch his church out of this world. Amen. And the Bible tells me that this world isn't going to become better as time goes on, but it's going to become worse as time goes on. talks about evil imaginations of men talks about, about wickedness in, in high places. It, it talks about all of these things that we're witnessing right now in our world. This was a bitter experience that, that happened to them. But God was watching. What, what's going to be your reaction? It was 
there to prove them. It happened to prove them. I want to ask you a question. How do you respond to experiences in life that are bitter? Uh, Do you become bitter? Do you allow it to become internal? Do you allow it to affect you spiritually? Do you allow it to get in your spirit? Or do you respond in faith and put your trust in God? Do you, do you get so disappointed that you charge God foolishly? That you point your fingers into the heaven and say, God, why is this happening? Or why is this taking place to me? And get angry with God? I'm going to tell you, that's not wisdom. That's not real understanding of the Word of God. But faith says, you know what? I know that life is what it is. And Job said it this way, it's a few days and full of trouble. But we're not living entirely for this life. And God knows that this is only the rehearsal. This is only the dressing room, so to speak, for eternity. And he knows what it's going to take to save me. So I'm going to trust him that he knows what's best for me. And I'm not going to respond by murmuring and complaining to God about what's going on like they did. That maybe I ought to just go back to the world. I just go back to Egypt. I went to God. We never left. At least we we didn't have the best, but at least we had leeks and garlic. I'm going to tell you, it's got to be bad when you start thinking about garlic to eat and you you start pining for that. You start desiring that. Amen. It's got to be rough. When you start thinking about, hey, if I could get over there and get some some leeks, onions. You guys know how I feel about onions. I like them if they're just grilled down where they're not hardly onions no more. But uh, I, I don't particularly like just eating onions like an apple. I know some people do. You can tell that they do. No. I mean, it's got to get bad. It'd have to get real bad for me to start eating onions like apples. You know, if an apple keeps a doctor away, an apple a day keeps a doctor away. An onion, I wonder what that keep away. That'd keep every friend away from you. Yeah. Keep everybody. You want to be a loner? Want to be a hermit? Pick you an onion and start eating it. I'm just joking. But I mean, you can see how they 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 let this bitter experience that was that was really just a temporary deal in their life. God was going to take care of them, but when it hit them at first, and we have experiences that hit us in life, kind of catch us off guard. I mean, can you imagine there? I mean, by this point, they're probably, if they had any strength left, running up to this water to take a drink when they seen it. Thinking, I hope that's not a mirage. And they fall on their face and scoop it up, and, and maybe they get the scent of it, that it's not good. Maybe it's been stagnant. It's got moss or scum growing on the top of it, and it's not, it's not to be drank. You cannot drink it. And Moses realizing, hey, this is getting ready to turn on me. He begins to cry out to God, the Scripture says. And 
God showed Moses something. He showed him that the answer was right nearby. There was a tree that had been growing all this time. He said, you take that tree and you cast, I don't know, cut it down, cut a branch off, but cast it into the water and I'll make the water whole. I'll turn this bitter experience around. I'm going to tell you, God, with everything that we face, this is what the scripture says. He said, when you... When you're in a place you don't know where to go, where to turn, he said, look around and be patient because with every temptation, I'm going to provide a way of escape. I'm going to provide a plan. I've got some, I didn't bring you into this, into this situation to drop you off here for you to be destroyed, for you not to be able to make it out of this situation. But I put you in this place to prove you uh, and your faith towards me, but also to prove to you that I am able to do exactly what my word says that I can do. Praise the Lord. Praise God. And so when we come to these bitter experiences in life, we've got to remember that I've got to put my faith and my trust in God. This may be hard to swallow. This may not taste good to me right now. This may be disappointing and not exactly what I expected. But I am not going to charge God foolishly. I'm not going to blame God. Amen. But I'm going to put my faith and my trust in God that He has a plan in all of this. I may not be able to see it right now. But he has a plan in all of this. Amen. And if I keep walking the way he wants me to walk, and if I keep being obedient to him, and if I, come on now somebody, if I keep trusting him, he'll bring me through. Yeah, and it wasn't long. Not only did he heal those waters, but the scripture says it wasn't long that he came to another place that was called Elam. In Elam, the Bible tells me that it was a quite different place. It had 12 wells and three score and 10 palm trees, 70 palm trees. It was a lush oasis, so to speak, that they came upon. And it was a pleasant experience. I mean, not just one well, but 12 wells there. And I want you to notice what they did. They murmured at Mara. And they failed to praise God when they came to Elam. Isn't that just like humanity sometimes? We, we, we're quick to complain when things are not going good, but we fail to praise when things are going pretty good. When God is blessing, when it's bitter and things aren't going good, we're quick to complain. We're quick to shake our fist and say, I wish it wasn't like this. And we're quick to murmur about things. Oh, but when God turns things around and you come to Elam, you ought to have some praise in your voice just as quick as you complained about something. Hallelujah. You ought to come to you ought to come to the house of God and say, you know what? I'm in Elam now. Hallelujah. I'm not I'm not in Mara. I'm not in a bitter place anymore. God is blessed and God has been good to me. And I'm gonna praise him. I'm gonna bless his name. Hallelujah. 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 I'm gonna give some thanks and adoration unto God. In the next instance we see the first time of being proved was with the bitter experiences of life but notice in chapter 16 
the Bible says that God is going to provide for them on a daily basis to sustain them through giving them manna every morning with the dew. It's going to come with the dew. And you're going to have to go out and gather it. I'm not just going to put it in your cupboards for you. But you're going to have to go out and gather it every day. You're going to gather just as much as you need for that day. And then on the sixth day, you're going to gather twice as much so you'll have for the Sabbath because you're not going to gather on the Sabbath day. And it's going to be kept over. And that's the only amount that's going to be kept over. But if you try to hoard it up, you say, you know what, I'm tired of gathering manna. I'm going to gather up three days' worth today, and I'm going to put it in the cupboard. And uh, that way I'll have it, and we don't have to leave the tent for a couple of days. If you do that, it's going to become moldy and rotten, and it's going to breed worms. It's going to stink. It's going to become inedible. Because this is meant for you to go and get every day. That's how you're going to be sustained. That is how you're going to live from day to day to day. Now, there's several applications that we can use there about our walk with God. How many knows that this is a daily walk? It's not a weekly or monthly or yearly or, you know. One guy said he had a lot of CEOs in his church. And uh, I asked him what he meant, and he said something about Christmas, and uh, I don't know what he had for the for the others, but he said he had a lot of CEOs in his church. I don't know exactly what he used as an acronym, but it fails me now. But anyway, I, I'm telling you, you can't live for God like that. You have to live for God on a daily basis. You have to gather manna every day. You have to pray. I don't care how much we pray tonight and how much of God we feel. We're going to have to come back and get some more. That's the way this works. Amen. What a glorious service we, we have Sunday. And, and God blesses and God moves and God's work is accomplished. But we have to come back. You know what? We're going to have to, we're going to, have to come back on Wednesday. And we're going to have to come back on Sunday morning and have another service in the will of God. We're going to have to come back. On, on the next uh, Sunday night and we're going to have to have another move of the Holy Ghost and, and we're going to have to come and pray and seek God because we gather manna every day. We're going to get as much of it as we can for that day but that's all we can get is what God has provided for us and that's going to sustain us in life at that particular time. Can you say praise the Lord? And so he did this to, to prove them and he said, I, I don't only want you to be able to handle the bitter experiences of life, but I want you to be able to manage the blessings of life. Two contrasts here. Mara, he's testing them with the, bless, uh, the bitternesses of life, and then now he's testing them with the blessing of manna. I'm going to give it to you. You have to go out and gather it, but if you try to hoard it up, it's going to turn on you. But notice that they could take that same manna, they were commanded to put it in a pot and place it in the Ark of the Covenant. And the Bible said it was sustained for generations. It didn't rot like the person that tried to hoard it, hold it up. 
I'm going to tell you, the only way you can keep your blessing is to stay. You know that the ark was typical of the presence of the Lord that dwelt between the cherubs. The only way you can keep your blessing is to stay consecrated in the presence of the Lord. That's the only way you can keep your blessing. That's the only way you can keep anointing on your life. Amen. You know, God can bless and God can use somebody. And if they're not careful, they can feel like, man, I, I kind of broke over now. I, can, I, I, I got it going. I know how to do this now. No, that doesn't work that way. Amen. I'm going to tell you, it doesn't matter how much God blesses a preacher to preach. He's got to go back to his prayer bones. He's got to get another fresh word from God again because it just doesn't. You never learn how to do this. You never learn how. You never quite get it down because God is designed in such a way that the only way it will not perish on you and the only way that it will not be, grow to a place that, that people cannot uh, where, where people cannot eat it to, and, and it not be a blessing to them is if you don't stay in the presence of God but you can always be a blessing if you stay in the presence of God you can always keep your blessing if you stay in the presence of God you stay consecrated you stay committed to God you stay prayerful you stay sensitive to his spirit you say tender you don't let your heart get hardened I'm going to tell you, life has a way of hardening people. I've seen it. I've seen saints of God. Yeah, I mean, over a period of time, you watch them. They're not near as tender towards the Spirit as they once were. They're not near as soft towards the presence of God as they once were. Suddenly, they you can't you can't get them to you can't get them to be involved in anything. They're not willing uh, to be involved in anything. No, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to participate anymore. What's going on? I tell you, what's going on is there. There's been a hardening process that is taking place. There's calluses that are forming on their heart. And they don't even sometimes realize it. It's so important that you stay tender towards God. That you stay humble towards God. That you stay in the presence of the Lord. Amen. That you be willing to weep when it's time to weep and to rejoice when it's time to rejoice. Amen. That you not have too much pride to praise God when it's time to lift up your voice and dance before the Lord with all of your might David and you're, you're able to fall over an altar and weep and sob in the presence of God if that's necessary but if you're going to keep your blessing you're going to have to stay in the presence of the Lord that's right praise God you're going to have to stay in the presence of the Lord that's the only way you can maintain a blessing that's the only way you can keep otherwise it'll spoil on you it'll be preserved by staying in the presence of God. And then this third element is found in chapters 19 and 20. He said he would prove them. Moses would meet with God on Mount Sinai. And this is where he would receive the law of God. This is where he would receive the tabernacle plan. Some believe that this is where the first five books of the Bible, which was written by Moses or recorded by Moses, this is where he received all of that revelation is on Mount Sinai is what some folks believe. And so Mount Sinai, he told him, he said, you set the boundaries. You set the boundaries around that mountain. I thought it was interesting there. It says, lest the people come in to just gaze. I want to be a real participant. Matter of fact, they didn't want to meet with God. They said, you go meet with God. They were fearful to go meet with God. 
So you, you go meet with him. You tell us what he says. So God said, you put the boundaries around the mountain. And he said, I'll honor that and I'll back that up. But those boundaries, those people have to know where those limitations are and where those boundaries are. And so the first time that he proved them, it was with a bitter experience. Second time he proves them, it's with the blessing. What are you, how are you going to manage your blessing? And the third time is the boundary test that he proves them with. We all have to deal with flesh. Doesn't matter how much sin you get delivered from, you did not get translated when you got the Holy Ghost. That ingrown toenail didn't get saved. You're still going to have to limp and deal with that and get along with that. Can anybody say amen? I know that's a pretty crude example. But you understand what I'm talking about. Just because you got saved didn't take all those things away. If you drove up here tonight and got the Holy Ghost and you was driving a car that was is held together by bailing water, a wire and, and uh, duct tape, more than likely you're going to have to drive off with one like that. Now, I'm not saying that God cannot bless you with more in time, but don't expect to walk out of there and there'll be a Lamborghini where you parked your Mercury. Can you say amen? That's just the way it is. There's some things you... I mean, you know, God uses us and our uh, faithfulness to Him. And over time, God begins to bless. And there's a process of that that takes place in our life. There's some things that we're going to have to, to deal with in life and get understand that through trusting God and faith in God. But this old flesh, we're still going to have to contend with it. Amen? We're still going to have to deal with our flesh. We're still going to have to, as Paul said, die daily. We're still going to have to pray through some things in the flesh. Oh, somebody say praise the Lord. You're all looking at me like you're all sanctified and everything. I'm going to tell you what. You're going to have to learn to consecrate and put limitations and discipline that flesh. Put some boundaries on it. Amen. And let God help you with that. Praise the Lord. That's, that's why we have standards of living. That's why we have convictions that we live by. Amen. We have church convictions and standards that we teach here that limits and puts boundaries on things because it's safe to do that. And it's the Word of God. And the Word of God is designed it. God designed it that way so that He could keep us safe Amen. While we're in the process of being saved. Somebody said, how's that work? Well, I believe that I was saved, am saved, and will be saved. But just because I was saved doesn't mean I'm going to be saved if I don't keep living this life. Same goes for you. I don't believe in eternal security. I don't believe once saved, always saved. I got to keep walking with God and being faithful to God in His Word. I got to keep growing in God. Praise the Lord. And that means as I mature in God, there's some things that I've got to yield to God. God, when I came to Him and got the Holy Ghost, I may have not had that conviction, but over time, God, as I walked 
in the Spirit and was led and understood and revelation came and teaching came to me through His Word, I understood I, there's some things i got to lay down. Amen. And, and some of those things that you lay down are sin and some of them are weights, as the Scripture says, because they would easily beset me and they could become sin to me. Oh, yeah. That's right. i got to lay it down because I don't want to be encumbered. i got to decide. You know, when a, when a soldier goes out on the battlefield, and I can't think of any fight or battle or war that is any more important than the spiritual battle that we're in right now. But when he goes out on the battlefield, they decide what is a necessity for him to carry with him in that backpack down to, I mean, you ever ask the soldiers, most soldiers know exactly how much that backpack weighs. I've noticed that. They'll always tell me, well, I, 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 I ran three miles with a 40-pound backpack. Or I ran 10 miles or marched 10 miles with, uh, you know, and they'll tell you exactly, 42 pounds and 16 ounces. I mean, they know. They know exactly how much is in there. Why? How come they know? It's because it's been measured that you only take with you what you need to survive in the battle. You don't take a bunch of things that may be encumbrance to you or may hinder you or weight you down or cause you to fall by the wayside or become an easy target to the enemy. Because the last thing we need is if this army's marching through a place, is we, we don't need somebody after two or three miles, their tongue is hanging out because they decided that they was going to pack a few more candy bars in their backpack. You know, I just thought I may need them. Well, they know what you need. They know what it's going to take for you to survive. I'm going to tell you, God's Word knows what we need. It's already preset, preplanned. We don't need to add anything. We don't need to take away anything. We need to just do what the Word says, and we'll have everything we need to make it. We'll be successful in the fight. We won't fall by the wayside. We won't get weary in well-doing. We won't fall out. Fall by the way. Oh, no. If we, we can keep on doing what we need to do if we'll learn how to limit ourselves in some areas. The Bible talks about things that are excess. I'm talking about using moderation. It said some things are lawful but not expedient. What does that mean? It means it's not against the law, but it's just not not recommended. Kind of like the old boy that was going to walk the walkathon, and he had his dress shoes on when he showed up for the walkathon. Remember them walkathons? They went from walkathons to rockathons. Now we, I don't know what they got, maybe sleepathons or something. I, it's gotten easier, I can tell you that. But used to when I was growing up, and when some of you was coming up, we had them walkathons, and man, it wasn't a mile. Them jokers were 12 miles in some cases. This old guy showed up and he had his sponsor sheet and he had his money raised and yeah, I'm gonna walk walk a thon. They said, in those shoes? He said, Yeah, man. He said, I ain't only gonna walk and they told he he's gonna walk to the next town over and, and ride the bus back. He said, I'm not just only gonna walk over there to that town. He said, I'm gonna walk back. He didn't hardly get to the end of the block. He had big old blisters. And he was limping and gimped up. And they had to come get him a ride, get him back to the church, and he had forfeit. And I guess they felt sorry for him and went ahead and gave him the money because he tried. But I'm just telling you, 
There's some things that are lawful, but they're not expedient. There ain't no law against wearing wingtips on a walkathon, but it's not recommended. I guess you can play basketball in high heels if you want to, but it's not recommended. So there's some things that you you can say, well, I, I really don't see anything wrong with this. Well, may 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 not be any scripture or principle that we use in the Word of God, but it, it's just not recommended. And that's why we don't. And it's worked this long and it's got this many people through the through the end of their race, and I think it'll work to get us through the... Hey, it's too late in the game to start tweaking and adjusting and trying to debate and trying to decide and all that. Hey, I'm not into that. Praise God. If it's worked this way this long, let's, let's just kind of stay the course because I don't think we're too long. We're on the last lap, friends. Amen. We better, we better push the accelerator down and become more committed, more consecrated, more decided, more determined, more sold out than we ever have. Praise the Lord. All you folks that want to push the edge of the envelope, amen, I'm not into that. I'm not going there. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to participate in that. I'm not going, you're not going to push me off of the things that I believe and that we, we, we adhere to as far as the Word of God is concerned in this church because it has been proven already that it works. I said it's been proven already that this works. Praise God. And so I won't make heaven. I trust you won't make heaven. I trust that you realize you need a preacher to make heaven. I trust that you realize you need the word of God to be preached to you and taught to you to make heaven. I trust you realize you got to respect the ministry to be saved. I trust you realize that it takes preaching every week, week in, week out, teaching week in, week out to help us and hone us down so that we can be saved. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. And so, and, and while we're talking about those things, we can talk about those external things, and, and those are very vital and important. But let's, let's talk about other things that sometimes we pick up along the way that weighed us down. Let's talk about attitudes. Let's talk about spirit. Let's talk about things we take on that are an impediment to us. You may be able to make it, but it's certainly not going to help you in this race. Amen. You, you may be able to make it to heaven being a nosy person. Up in everybody's business. Got to know the latest. The Texarkana Gazette sitting on a pew. You may be able to make it living like that. I don't know. I see a lot of Bible against it. I see tons of Bible against murmuring. I see tons of Bible against being a, a, a tail bearer. Thank you. Gossip. Talking about and giving your... I'll tell you one thing you can't be saved doing, and that's having a critical spirit. Amen. Woo! Man, if you get that thing off of you, you run a whole lot more free. You got a lot better chance of making heaven. 
I heard somebody somebody called me up the other day, not here, and they they started in all that stuff. I said, look, man. I said, look, <laughs> I'm not even interested. Don't even talk to me about that. I said, matter of fact, what can we do to help that person? I said, what can we do to help that person? I said, I, I really love that individual. Don't tell me that because I don't want to have that in my spirit when I look at them. I don't even want to have that in my mind when I see them. I, I just want to know what I can do to help them. And it, it literally grieved me that sometimes, I'm going to tell you, you run with cannibals, it isn't going to be long that you're going to be on the menu. I said, if you run with cannibals, it isn't going to be long till you're going to be the one on the menu. You just remember that. Any dog that will drag up a bone will take one off. Hallelujah. So you just remember that you keep your mouth shut and God will honor and bless and help you through the tight places of life. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And i got to limit. This is one of those areas of limiting your flesh. I am appalled that some people can feel so comfortable criticizing preachers. Man, where did you get that from? You didn't get that out of God's Bible. And I'm talking about preachers criticizing preachers. But it's, it's not only that. It's, it's saints that have crossed the line into that. I want to tell you, that's bad stuff. That's bad stuff. That'll, that'll cause you to be lost, sir. Cause you to be lost, man. Don't get into that. Don't allow yourself to go down that trail. Amen. Stay out of that stuff. Because it's a weight that's going to turn into a besetting sin in your life. Amen. So easily besets. These things creep on so easily. Why? Because they're part of our human nature already. It's, it's a part of our human nature already. You take a person that's already dealing with insecurities on the inside, they're pretty quick to find fault with somebody else to kind of bring them down to their level. That's their insecurities speaking when they got to do that. When you got to tear somebody else down to build yourself up, you're insecure. And I've always said that insecure folks are the most dangerous people in the world. Amen. Because they don't think anything about cutting somebody's throat so they can get ahead. So you just remember when somebody brings to you something and they got something to criticize and they got something to be negative about, it may be that when they leave you, <laughs> that you're the subject. Oh, I never thought of that. Come on. So that's why you need to be wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. And realize, hey, you know what? I'm not going to be a party to that because I'm not going to allow that to weight me down. I'm running a race here. I'm striving for mastery here. I'm looking for that incorruptible crown here. I'm trying my best to make it to heaven is there anybody who feels like I do? God, whatever, whatever, whatever. There's nothing I wouldn't yield. There's nothing I wouldn't lay down. There's nothing I wouldn't give up because I want to make heaven. That's the way I feel. I'm not trying to get by by the skin of my teeth. I'm not trying to just barely make it through and say, whoo, I made it. That's not my ideal at all. I love Jesus enough to say, God, I don't want to take any chances. I don't want to take any chances because it's going to be worth it. 
this little old 70 plus years or whatever, by reason of strength, we get more that, that, that God gives us here on this earth. That is really minuscule when you think about it and weigh it and compare it to eternity. God has proven us. What's in your backpack? If you've got a bunch of bricks and things in there that you don't need, it's, well, I just never knew if I might need this down the road. I don't know. I, I'm just carrying this because, you know, it was put in there 25 years ago. Take it out and throw it out. Get rid of it. Just carry the things you need. Carry the Word. Carry His promises with you. He said on his word, I meditate both day and night. I carry it with me everywhere I go, day and night. I keep that word refreshed in my mind. Sometimes that's the only thing. Bring. The Bible said this. David at Ziglag, when they spake of stoning him, he encouraged himself in the Lord. You need to put some things in your backpack that you can encourage yourself with from time. You need to carry the testimonies of what God's done for you. Come on, don't let the devil put all those negative things in there and crowd out all the good things God's done for you. He put all the bad experiences in there, and that's all you can think about when, when something bad happens is the other bad things. And so then the next thing you know, you're drowning out in doubt and unbelief, and you feel so discouraged. You feel like you're about to die. Oh, no. But if, you, if you've put some good things in there, you can draw on that and say, you know what? Hallelujah. God has seen me through some struggles. He's seen me through some pain. He's healed my body. He's kept me. He's been there for me. He's answered so many prayers for me. You think I'm going to stop believing him now? You think I'm going to fail him at this point? You think I'm going to back up at this juncture? Oh, no. I'm going to keep on praising, keep on worshiping the Lord. Would you stand with me right now? Let's lift up our hands to the Lord and let's believe him and trust him.